Welcome to Revealed in Ephesians, the mystery of who I am in Christ, daily Bible study podcast. This is Brianna Nye. I am your host and the author of the book, and I'm very excited that you are still studying God's Word because God's Word is amazing. And um, this day, day five of week two, we are going to study something that is controversial in the church for no good reason, really. So I just want to say that it's controversial for no good reason. Um, In the body of Christ, the topic of grace versus works um, really seems to polarize people. And um, I don't know why that is, except that in our human flesh, we like to be right and we like to point out where other people are wrong, or we like to point uh, follow people. When the Corinthians are arguing about, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, Paul says, you guys are all following Christ. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Paul. It's not about which Bible teacher you follow. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And our human natural ability is to try to divide ourselves into sects and say like, I'm in this group, you're in that group. It's kind of like Dr. Seuss and the Sneetches, you know, there are the ones with the stars and then the ones with none upon theirs, you know, if you remember that book, uh, The Sneetches from Dr. Seuss. And um, I think that's what people like to do with this. And when we get into a defensive posture, whenever we talk about things of the Lord, that's never healthy. It's never good to be in a defensive posture when we're talking about the Lord. What we need to be is in an open, humble posture before the Lord, asking the Lord to teach us. And if you only listen to what other people say and teach about the Bible and you don't prayerfully study it yourself, then you might find yourself in this position where you're trying to defend what someone else said and not know exactly what the Bible says. So you are perfectly equipped by God through the Holy Spirit to be able to read His Word and to understand it. And there are things, depending on how old you are in the Lord, it doesn't, you know, whether you're a new Christian, you might feel a little overwhelmed, but you can take a scripture and pray about it and God can speak to you through it. So um, don't be overwhelmed by reading God's Word. So we see that our memory verse, um, we're adding a memory verse um, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. And I made it 8 through 10 because a lot of people like to quote the first part, this wonderful verse. I love this verse, Um, but not the second part. And we like to take the Word of God out of context sometimes. When we take it out of context, that's when we get confused. There should not be any confusion. So I'm just going to start by reading this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is a wonderful verse. Everyone needs to know this if you're a believer, because it reminds us I don't need to be prideful about who I am as a Christian. I don't need to like say like, oh, I do this for God, or I do that for God, or I teach a Sunday school class, or I volunteer at a soup kitchen, or I give money to the church, or I give money to the poor. 
when we start counting up all of our good works um, before the Lord, we're going to get in trouble because we need to actually focus on God's saving grace and His power to deliver us. It says here, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, the reason it's by grace you have been saved through faith is because a dead person cannot raise themselves from the dead. And it says in Ephesians chapter 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Do you notice that passage, that phrase is in this passage twice. So that means it's very important. So he uses it there. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, we've been talking about this, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So there we're talking about it again, about our inheritance in Christ in heaven. And then it tells us again, it is by grace you have been saved. You have are through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here the Apostle Paul lays this clear case that when we, before Christ, We are dead in our sin. It says, in which you used to live. So here it's not talking about physical death. It's not talking about somebody's dead. It's talking about someone's physically alive, they're mentally alive, their soul is alive, but their spirit is dead. And that is because sin is reigning in your mortal body. And in you, there is in your mortal body, which is ruled by sin, there's nothing good because it is ruled by by sin. And I want you to think about this. In the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve, they were perfect. Their spirits were alive. Their minds were alive. Their hearts were alive. Everything was alive. They were created in Christ. They lived in Christ, in God. I mean, Jesus wasn't manifest on earth yet, but they. But it says in Colossians that all things were created through Christ and by Christ and for Christ. So they were in a relationship with God And in God, in that perfect state, you have love, you have joy, you have life, you have peace, you have um, forgiveness. Well, we didn't need forgiveness at that point, but you have everything good. You have security outside of God, apart from God, you have the opposite of that. You have everything that is the opposite of love. You have hate, you have fear, you have um, anger, you have resentment. Um, agitation, you have hopelessness. So apart from God, this is the spiritual state of, of humanity. Now, why did God put that tree in the middle of the garden? God told Adam and Eve, you can have anything you want in the garden, um, any fruit except this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day you eat of it, 
you will surely die. Now, why did God do that? Well, first of all, because if they didn't have a choice, there's no love. If there's no ability to choose to follow someone or to love someone, it's not real love. It's forced. And that's not actually love. So in order for them to be able to have that relationship with God, to choose right and wrong needed to be part of the plan. So they were deceived by by the devil. Eve was deceived and they they did end up eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And see, they were trying to find their way to know something greater apart from God. There was this, the devil tempted them with this, God's trying to hide something from you. If you eat from this tree, you're going to know everything God knows. So the the ultimate temptation is always you can do or be something great apart from God. You don't need God. Um, you don't need him in your life. He's hiding something from you. He's keeping something from you. And there's other things outside of that that are that you can access in other ways. And that is the lie that Eve and Adam, well, Eve was deceived. Adam just decided to follow Eve because he was like, hey, this is my woman. I'm going to do what she does. So that's what Adam did. And they were plunged into sin and into darkness because they made that choice. And God told them what the consequence would be, that the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And so all of mankind was plunged into this condition of spiritual death. It's hereditary. It's hereditary. Every single person that has come from that line of Adam and Eve is under that curse, the Bible says, of spiritual death. This is so foundational. And therefore, we cannot make ourselves alive spiritually. Now, did Adam and Eve die physically? No, that's the point. They did not keel over and die. Um, I believe if they had never eaten of the tree, that they would perhaps still be alive today. They would have been alive and they would have a physical eternal life. We don't know how that would look. So I'm not going to guess how that would look. But um, we know that they died spiritually. And it says here that they were under the influence of the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. So the enemy influenced them to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they also, they were influenced and people nowadays even are still influenced by the temptation of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, the things he tells people about God that are absolutely not true to try to separate them from God because it's really a great cosmic war that started way before Adam and Eve were ever created between God and Satan. So in order to come alive, that there needed to be an atonement for that sin. There needed to be a reckoning for that sin, a payment for that sin. Because God said, the day you sin, you will surely die. Death is the payment for sin. And so that is why death is always required for sin. And that's why in the Old Testament, the Israelites were required to make animal sacrifices. And like I said before, it was like a barbecue too. So they wouldn't just kill an animal and then throw it away. They would actually eat it. And it would be like, it would be not just a religious ceremony, but then they would um, give the priest some of the food, then they would have some of the food. So they would um, eat that, the ox, they'd have like a ox roast, you might think of it. But that also was the the physical death that was required to pay for their sin. And that was the covering. And then through Christ, 
We don't just have the removal of sin, but we have the resurrection of the Spirit to life from death. So because it is the Son of God, God who is fully God and fully man, He is of the line of Adam, He is of, he is of the prophetic line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and through the line of Judah, um, Jesus Christ was able to take our punishment and then be raised up to life. And when we put our faith in Him, the scripture says that when we put our faith in Him, it is by grace we have been saved through faith. So God in His graciousness and His love sacrificed His Son, and through faith we put our hope in His Son, and our spirits are made alive. And as we've been talking about this week, we receive the power of God deposited into our lives then. And then we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we cannot work our way to heaven. So because of this whole thing I've told you about, you can't just do good things and get to heaven because that does not remove the sin and it does not remove the spiritual death that you're in due to the fall of man and due to your sin. All sin separates us from God. So you need the cleansing of Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ to remove the sin. So there's nothing in you that is good enough to get you to heaven because you spiritually simply cannot get to heaven apart from Christ. And so when you trust in Christ, it is gracious. It is love. It is a sacrificial act of God that He has ordained us and and ordained this process of salvation for us that requires His own his own pain, his own suffering, that the wrath of God was put upon Christ so that we could be free from the wrath of God. We could be free. And so it was all put upon his son and his son will willed to do it. He wanted to do it. Um, he wanted to follow his father. And so then we, as a result of this, what is the result? We, we do good works, but it is through the power of the Holy Spirit it is out of thanksgiving. It is out of worship. It is because now our spirits are made alive in Christ, that our spirit is working alongside the power of the Holy Spirit, which is filling us and living in us and enabling us to overcome sin and death. Because Jesus already paid for that sin. Jesus already died for that sin. So why do we want to keep walking in sin when Jesus has already, when Jesus died for it? There's a real confusion out there amongst believers that's just kind of like, well, Jesus loves me. Jesus died for me. Jesus forgives me anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's not like that. Sin is still death. Still, Sin still brings death to your life. Let's just take an easy, simple um, example before we finish today, and that's marriage. So in your marriage, let's think of something so little, so, so little that just maybe seems insignificant. How about self-centeredness? So if you're self-centered and you don't put your husband or wife before you and you don't love them or live for them, but you live for yourself and you just want to fulfill your own desires that can actually create death in your marriage. It can The sin of self-centeredness can keep your marriage from flourishing, and then it's going to keep your children from flourishing because they're going to live under that, that just atmosphere of self-centeredness and pride and anger 
or freezing people out with or fear, um, resentment. And your kids are going to be raised in an atmosphere of resentment if you have that kind of sin. It seems little. It seems like, well, Jesus forgives me. Jesus understands. Jesus paid it all. He died, and he didn't just die and do something where he just removed your sin. It's not like just. He just removed your sin. He has filled you with power to overcome. You are alive in Christ, and you have a decision to make in Christ. You can do good. You can choose to die to your selfishness and to love someone, which can be difficult sometimes if they can be a little unlovable. That's tough. Um, or you can sit in your self-centeredness and... Um, and not live in any victory, and then that will have consequences. It can have consequences in your marriage for divorce. It can have consequences in your children where they don't feel secure or where your children are self-centered or your children live in fear and anxiety because the marriage, um, because their parents' marriage is, is going um, going out the door. Um, so, so we have to see that sin still has power, but when God created us for good works. It is the good work to overcome sin and death through the power of Jesus Christ alone, not in our own flesh, but through the power of Jesus Christ alone so that that God can be glorified and that we can live in harmony and peace, forgiveness and in love and um, so much more. Because when that love is flowing and that power is flowing in your life, that peace is flowing in your life, um, it will touch everyone around you. It really will. It will touch everyone around you. So that's my um, word for you today, to walk in the power of God, to walk in the power of God that He has created you to do, the good works that He has created you to do. And really think about this, really pray about this and take this to the Lord today. And if there's something in your life that um, you've been holding back from God because you're just like, well, Jesus forgives me anyways, ask the Lord how God really feels about it because he does love you and his goal is to have a relationship with you. So God bless you and great job finishing week two. And I look forward to talking to you on week three. Have a great day.